<laughs> How's everything been going? Um, it's been all right. You know, roller coaster, roller coaster of a of a beginning of the year. But you know, like when things start to settle, and then there's that like almost paranoia of like, you know, is it settling or am I just getting too calm and it's some other madness going to happen? So, like mayhem, I went through that. Like, if I calm down, some more madness is going to happen. So you know when you're just like constantly on edge. Yeah. yeah, and then I had that, and then now finally I'm like, okay, now we're settling. Now we're getting into what can be the closest thing of a routine. How about yourself? Uh, all right, you know, like I think similar, like just kind of finding my feet. Like the response to the album's been really interesting. Like, yeah, I didn't really expect it. Like I know we've spoken about it to do kind of like what it did. So it's yeah. been really, really weird to see like it resonates so well like yeah bro it's it it's done more than like it's done more than some people probably expected which is why like people expected like this is going to be as they expect from you like good hard-hitting content but people probably went in and were like you know when you can prepare yourself for a message yeah. But I feel like people probably didn't prepare fully. So, like, from what I've seen, and, like, I've listened to it, and you do the sound check, you listen to it on your headphones, you listen to it outside, you listen to it in the house, like, you do all of those different things. Hearing, hearing some of those songs in some of those situations, like, it, it hits a different resonance with music. Like, playing some of the music out loud, and, you know, when music fills a room, yeah and you can like you can hear you can feel instruments like some of those songs hit like that some of those songs you're walking down the street it's wet it's gray it's horrible outside and you need that like the grind mentality but yeah yeah like it does it and i bet people were listening going yo i wasn't expecting like that that type of fire it's been interesting like yeah, I think, like you say, I don't know whether people were kind of expecting it. And then, like, it's just led to mad stuff, like all the reviews. Yeah. Like, Pi Radio wrote some review, like, say, calling it a masterpiece, quote-unquote, yeah. which was mad, like, a masterpiece, you know. <laughs> right, like, that led to, like, interview with them. I've, like, been written, like, I did something for Fred Perry and, like, other kind of outlets, like, interviewing me and stuff. And then it's led to the record being picked up by an independent publishing company. So they're producing some vinyls. So I get the first test pressing on That's amazing. the first. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. Sorry, just to check audio. Can you hear my dog snoring? Nah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's like fast asleep on the sofa next to me. So I'm like paranoid that I'm going to hear, we're going to hear her snoring, but that's all right. I'm just turn the light on as well. Um, but that's, Awesome that you're getting vinyl presses of it. That's going to be very nice. Yeah. Like, it'll be good to have them to sell. Like, I got some T-shirts that I had made before Christmas yeah. that I didn't really do much with properly. So I was like, I took them down and I was like, okay, like, when the time comes, um, I can use them as, like, a bargaining chip. And so I'm going to just do, like, a bundle, like, a free shirt with the vinyl or whatever. Um, yeah. Which will work. And then um, I've got a live session. Like, I went into... Berry, um, this venue called The Met, and they asked me to come and do a live session. So I did that with like a live band, and it's just like the first six tracks from the album. 
Nice. Where do we hear that? Um, it's allegedly coming out on the 23rd of March, but I get a private link tomorrow to see it, so I'll send it to you to have a nice. listen to. Hey, appreciate it. So, so that'll be yeah. fun. It's Again, it's one of those moments where we... I again, I I always say I feel biased, but I'm not because it's just good quality stuff. Um, that like, like the flowers were coming, and like from the hard work and the months of work that you put into it, it's like this is it's only the beginning with it. It's one of those things as well that it's not like a one and done. People will listen to it, and they'll listen to it when the seasons change and different songs or different things will hit different. It's one of those that like it. It takes people on whatever journey they're on. It it adds to it. It gives a different view. It it works on that that plane, which is probably why people have listened to it and gone, "Oh shit!" Like whatever plane I'm on, this hits. Like this resonates. I, I don't have to go. This is the world as seen by one specific person at one particular time. Yeah, is is mad. It'll be interesting to see and like. Um... Yeah, like it feels like it's just the beginning. It feels like that's my first project. Yeah, <laughs> nah, that's a good energy. That it's a good energy. So, what have you kind of made out of all of this madness this week, bro? Like, bro. my place in it, bro. I like. I never. Well, we always kind of joked about coming from an African household. I mean, how far back do I go? Coming from an African household, growing up in the nineties, every auntie had like a ride or die affinity for princess diana like yeah it was there was a love i never understood it i didn't for me the royal family growing up until i had to like break it down to build it up again was like the queen a couple people princess diana that was literally what the royal family was i never knew who the queen's children were I didn't even really know who Princess Diana was married to. It was just, she's married into the royal family. Like, that's how we grew up. Like, the world, the royal family was presented to me growing up. So, like, one of my earliest memories of the royal family that I have was, like, the entire day coming to a standstill, watching Princess Diana's funeral on TV. Like I was in yeah. a small, I was in a small, small Zambia, and <laughs> it was live <laughs> on TV. I remember my mum had my mum wasn't at work. My cousins were there, like all my older female cousins, and they, they were recording it as well. And somewhere I remember we had a cassette that was recorded from TV of Princess Diana's funeral. Like that's how deep that love ran. And then we hit like almost a full circle. And I was like, I'll never understand it because then we grew older and we were like, the royal family is nothing for me. Um, It's something to people, but it's nothing for me. It's it's people on a coin. It's a monarchy that people follow. Um, And then like the Meghan Markle marriage happened. And then that's when I was like, oh, I see. I see what the generation were doing in the 90s. They were like, we can predict the fuckery and we want to protect this human being because the royal family was looked at as aliens almost. They're, they're allowed to do crazy things. 
Um, so one's like, oh, this is a real human going in there. Like Princess Di was a real human with a yeah. history, with open feelings, with open thought and idea. So we, see, we saw that. Our generation is, was open enough to first like, call bullshit straight away. We were like, they're going to do some raggedy shit. We just have to be here to be ready for it. (laughs) (laughs) Prince Harry's on crud. We were the generation that supported Prince Harry partying in Vegas. We were like, I want to party in Vegas. That's the only connection I I have with like seeing myself in the royal family is that like he does something that I want to go do one day. He went and fought in (laughs) Afghan while he was telling the media to like swivel. We were like, okay, we can, we can see he's trying to pull out. And then he pulls a human being in. So our generation was like, we get it. And then as soon as it started to unravel, and like the royal family started doing the sus things, but the media were covering it in, and painting it in different light. But again, our generation continued to be like, call bullshit, call bullshit. Like, we might not see what the other side is, but we were like, bro, they're not just moving to Canada and LA and just dipping and dodging all of these things like they're not doing it because they don't want to like something is amiss here well one day we may find out but we're calling bullshit um and then this interview was just like the most calculated way to be like the world is bigger than the royal family get over yourselves it definitely felt like a chess move like it was so interesting like there's there's so much to tap into like even that like the weird kind of <clears throat> like I don't even think it's just like an African or a Caribbean thing. I think it's like almost like a p- person of color connection to Princess Diana yeah. because she was the first kind of royal that we saw that embraced cultural identity. Like yeah. of course we see these awkward videos of Prince Charles going to like Africa and looking super stiff trying to catch a wine, or like um, <laughs> Prince William when he goes to like. Jamaica and he's got these girls trying to dance with him and he just doesn't know what to do yeah. and he just looks bare awkward and stiff like he needs some WD-40 or whatever <laughs> like and like with Princess Diana you didn't see that you saw that she led with love and yeah. you could see that that was the openness there that existed and so we almost kind of knew like my mum and my dad and even like my grandma always said that um one of Princess Diana's children will be the one that um breaks the kind of royal family in terms of they will bring an outside influence outside of being obviously somebody black or somebody Asian or somebody Indian or whatever, but they will bring something that they would consider other into the family. But it's really interesting because you could see it come to pass. Like if you go back to like the earliest videos of Harry, I'm sure you've seen on social media, people sharing them just rinsing, but you could see he'd always had that almost like yearning for other culture. Yeah. It's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's and exactly like, it. He was like, oh, see- I'm on this platform where I have to travel the world. And looking at all probably the other squares in his family who are going to their own hotels and doing all of this, he was like, oh, you want me to go all the way to Jamaica? You want me to go all the way to small colonial countries in Africa to just stay in a hotel named after my mum or my grandma or named after my, <laughs> my granddad? Because, again, a lot of these countries do have the Royal Elizabeth hotels here and the, yeah. <laughs> he's like, you want me to go stay? Nah. He's like, I'm going to meet people. Like, <laughs> I'm It's really people. sick. It's interesting to see the, almost like the different paths 
like it's almost that nature versus nurture argument yeah. as well that is almost exemplified in the raising of those two brothers because we've seen them both grow up in the same environment but go on two completely different trajectories so true. and i think i think the turning point was when william got caught not william sorry harry got caught in vegas i yeah. think that was when we saw that he was a young man just yearning to be a young man and like, let's not pretend that he's perfect because obviously exactly. man got caught in a Nazi outfit and yeah. he had that whole problematic thing where he was in the military and he was caught referring to a young Indian child as his um, P word friend and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but we yeah. saw that he was a young man almost stri striving for normality. And what really kind of stood out to me in the documentary was how much he loved it. Like some of the moments, if you like, because he seemed to be like someone who's quite reserved. And yeah. like the only time you really see him drop that and just be himself was when he was in the chicken coop. I don't know if you clocked that. Yeah, the, yeah. Like, it took me a small like, second like to this. realize. <laughs> it took me a small. I was like, wait, because I was look, I was like looking down and up, like looking at my phone, looking up, and then it like a couple of couple of glances. Like, wait, that's Harry. That's not just some <laughs> some guy who's just his job is to keep the chickens alive. I was like, that's Harry. That oh my goodness, that is the Prince Harry that. <laughs> Yeah, so I definitely see that. He was sat barefoot in the chicken coop with some joggers on and a little cap, like, and he was just happy. And you could see that, like, I think one of the positive things that comes out of that that shows you that possessions aren't everything. He was a monarch who arguably had more money, more access, more resources than he could ever want in a lifetime. But mm -hmm. he realized that something was worth more, and that's obviously the lives and the well-being of his wife and his child. Yeah. But it's definitely opened a can of worms that us as a country need to deal with like just so much like particularly around like the color stuff yeah it's again it was one of those moments and i'm i'm so happy that that for one every few years well it felt like every few years but now every few months something more blatant something more explicit happens or is said and then people try and use weird nuances of the situation to try and explain their way out of it or justify whatever's happened. So the fact that it got to this stage, like this is how explicit it got. And then we can go, okay, let's try and watch people squirm out of this one. And they just, they just can't. So it's like, we have to, we have to address it now. Like we have to. Finally, we've let people do all their squirming for years on, oh no, it was just one person. Or it was just this. Like every little excuse we hear now was like, nah, that doesn't cut it. Cause this was too obvious. <laughs> Definitely. Like there was just so many sus things, like whether it was, well, what princess was it? Let me just quickly Google. Uh, princess racist brooch did you see this like when megan oh, yeah. first came into the family princess michael of kent yeah wore like a racist brooch which depicted yeah. like a moorish prince like things like that things really like where you see stuff yeah and they talk about like having the firm and these advisors that are around each royal so you can't tell me that this princess michael of kent had a little team around her and nobody was like, yo, you're going to meet a person of colour for the first time at dinner who's welcomed into your family. Probably not a great idea for you to have this almost like um, black-faced, tokenistic um, badge on to go for dinner with her. Like, yeah. You could almost see like in the picture of her in the car as she's driving, like this grin, yeah. like she knew what she yeah. was doing. 
She knew it. That's the picture. I remember the picture of that brooch. And it wasn't even just the brooch. It was like her, her face was in the picture. And it was like, she knew exactly what she was doing. And that's the thing. That's, that for me was like perfect, almost like metaphor for British racism. It was like, yo, no one in this game is going to say anything that's overt. And it, that it's all going to be little kind of, I don't know, um, almost like microaggressions, stuff like that. Like, even when we're listening to Megan's experience throughout the documentary, the only overt example of racism was mainly the question around colour. Everything else was microaggressions. Like, the fact that they didn't want to deal with her being, obviously, roasted in the press. Like, the fact that they didn't really want to care about her mental health. Like, all of it, and the way that they dealt with it was all kind of microaggressions and kind of almost, like, pushing it away because it was inconvenient. And I think the royal family knew what they were doing. If they were going to say something or if they were going to perhaps do something, then mm. it's very hard to deny. But the fact, the way in which the firm, as they refer to it, maneuvered, yeah. it gave them deniability. Like, there's just so much that you can unpack with it. Like, even the question, like, when we were, t- when we were watching the documentary, you hear us say that the question about the child's race was asked to Harry and it was away from Megan. It's like, think about yeah. it. You've got this new person who's in your family and you're discussing their child. That child is half of them. And you're discussing that with only one of the parents, even though they're both now your family. Like, even that yeah. is sus. Yeah. That's, again, it's, it's one of those things that people have previously been able to explain or do their best to explain away and hide it in nuance. They've even tried with this. They're like, oh, maybe it was said. I saw so many people reacting that maybe it might have been said out of context it might have just been a a naive interest like I've I've literally seen people on big news trying those excuses and as a society the people who it came from were like nah that's not (laughs) that's not how we wanted that to go down like the prince and his wife were like nah that's not (laughs) That's not okay. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, and it's like it's that shouldn't even be a factor. That even shouldn't even be a a question. So the fact that those mindsets existed is the first L. The second L is that they were so confident enough in their British racism to go. Let me pull Harry aside, which is the British of it. Yeah, but still ask him some absolute nonsense, and then the British of it is like almost the bulletproof shield they thought they were wearing by pulling him aside is like plausible deniability. They're like, ah, he got it confused. Maybe he Chinese whispered it wrong to you. Like all of those elements are just pulled apart. Straight <laughs> like just yeah. pulled, pulled down. So yeah, it's it's been interesting to watch. And even like what you were saying there about like the Britishness of it, the fact that they thought and were like, you know, we need to pull him away because perhaps he will exactly he will understand our ideals yeah and like even the moment that it's led like this has led to kind of like the moment of um people who are biracial or people who identify as mixed race i don't know there's something about the terms that some people don't like it some people do um so i don't know which ones that's correct correct so i'll use both um but i think that even that like it explores the duality of that like there was a really cool thread i read by this lady who's mixed race and she was saying that 
you know, this is the perfect moment where it shows that, you know, where they have to deal with this duality, like perhaps families on their white side don't particularly like the black side and vice versa. Yeah. And I'm like, that that literally is a whole other kettle of fish that needs to be explored. Um, like, what? why is the child's complexion one of the first things that they're concerned about? And also, like, in terms of actually them him being a member of the royal family why was there then the second concern to remove the title like they changed was it like the edward yeah. the fifth convention yeah to remove the title from him yeah so it's it's one of those that again because it was so blatant they can't hide from it but yeah it raises that the distancing so like i saw really like my instant reaction was like i see them doing two things here one is distancing themselves from the problem and the problem being in inverted commas is the color um however passing that color might be so that's another thing that like i read a lot of is like even in this woman who in uh, in every other part of her life has probably been white passing in any other presentation of her life has been per beautifully accepted as white passing unless she has clarified or requested it be clarified suits no one was this angry like <laughs> suits no one was like no one was referring to her as the mixed race biracial woman from suits yeah so like for one was like blaming the problem and like trying to distance from the problem so at first it was the the royal family not intervening in the media at all like be telling her to lay low like she said in that she's like well i have what yeah. do you mean lay low i ain't left the house like that is like no we need to distance ourselves from you being the problem and then it's the other half of that which is alienate the person so like in this vacuum that you leave them in the only things that are drip fed into that is she was the problem like all of this has to happen or all of this has taken place because of her existence in this sacred space so it's like i think yeah it, it just nuts to watch it and then on i can't remember what one of them news platforms obviously they're doing their best at pulling all types of diversities in they interviewed a family of mixed heritage so it was a white dad and a black mother and a mixed race son just from Cardiff. Uh -huh. I literally, I remember being like, are they on the TV? Like, are they any type of TV on? And it's like, nah, it's just a, a big heritage family from Cardiff. <laughs> this literally went on Facebook. Yeah. And they was like, yo. Profile pics. Let's just try and find some, <laughs> some interracial couples on profile pics. Um, but the dad said something really good, which I don't think the news wanted because it wasn't a long, they didn't drag it out. The dad said one thing and then they cut it relatively short. He said, really? He said, in all honesty, as much as I was, like as much as I was open to the point that I got into a relationship, like a lifelong relationship with a black woman, a woman of color, as much as I was open, I had no idea why she raised some of those concerns until the moment she was introduced to my firm like his family as much as they had accepted this way that he lived forever the moment it was brought into the foundations of that firm it instantly went from 
it was instantly minimized or not even minimized it's hard to explain they'd minimized it when it was outside when it was in the house it was heavy enough to yeah. break the foundations yeah because that is almost like with that it's almost like that well he might not marry her or it's not yeah. forever there's that kind of escape a bit like not that get out of jail clause whereas yeah. as soon as that person's probably married them those families are being like oh well like those conversations take place like yeah. well what's the kid gonna look like and da 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 how will we look after its hair and just all yeah. of these like dumb questions that misinformed white people tend to ask i feel like yeah, he said, um, he said it, and the news anchor didn't really have a response because he was like, as passive as like, so anyone before where I was, it's a myth for them. <laughs> yeah, I think that it highlights just so many issues within our society. And I think that what was interesting as well is that when they were talking about this racism, I noticed that a lot of the panels were mainly just white. There was one panel I saw in particular on Instagram that was just all white men talking about Meghan Markle. I was like, like yo, like, who are the producers of these shows like how can you have the like do you not read the room and be like yeah. yo where is the diversity you know i i just didn't understand it and i clocked like there was just other things like there was one person i think it might have been on loose women who was trying to disregard the comment as casual racism did you see that oh yeah was it sharon osborne where's sharon osborne because she's been saying absolute nonsense but yeah i heard the like, yo, it's 2021 and we have to explain that casual racism has never been a thing. We'd never, like, the culture never sat down and went, you know what we're going to do? Let's give them a slide and add the word casual on it. We never <laughs> sat down and went, let's, let's do that. Along with giving them our culture, let's give them the word casual. <laughs> it's so crazy to me. Like, you know, like sometimes when you're like doing something professionally and you're talking and you have yeah. that light bulb moment where you're like, I need to shut up because... I'm saying something that's stupid or just misinformed. It was shocked to me that that presenter didn't have that light bulb moment. Like yeah. when she was like, oh, you know, it, it's probably just casual racism. You know, we've all got those old relatives who say things that are slightly racist. Like, well, really, because I'm a person of color. So, you know, unless my relative saying shit to themselves, like how, like, yeah. what do you mean? Yeah, like, like, that. that doesn't exist for me. Yeah. Like two, like you calling it casual and it give already self-providing the excuses of age or generation yeah. it's just totally minimizing the impact of racism like yeah. do you not see how problematic that is that's why yeah. i like before i used to try and respond with intellect but now i'm like is it casual if i slap them off their feet like what <laughs> If, if it's casual, my response is not, it's not a casual response. Like, yeah, they're cute. Oh no, they're, they're of a different time. Well, if they're slapped off their feet by someone who doesn't, doesn't <laughs> let anything slide, who does not live by your measure of casual, it's not casual anymore, is it? Like, would you casually go do an, another nonsense? Would you casually assault someone in the street? No, because you will be slapped off your feet. So it's like, exactly. we have to apply. We have to apply. <laughs> but even that, like, that lets you know the society value, the fact that rather than empathising in these situations, there was just a massive, massive display of people almost de-escalating de it rather yep. than empathising. It's like, oh, well, it's just casual. It's just casual. Things like that can happen the yeah. older. Or, oh, you know, because it might be, there might just be a general question because it's the first person of color within the family and all of this and it's just like when, at what point do we just demand better of people like we've got all of these woke brigade kind of yeah. presenters who are sharing all of these different <laughs> statistics about different things and it's like 
the same presenters and the same influencers that were saying all of this stuff and trying to de-escalate de the Meghan Markle thing are now saying something different because it's cool and it's like we need to just move forward and just listen to people when they're in that space is like as far as I'm concerned nobody should have an opinion <clears throat> nobody in the public media should have an opinion when the victim is speaking and that's what Megan was doing and yeah. as soon as everybody else came out like just even like different their nonsense as well she was like she was speaking about their footery <laughs> it was interesting to me it was also interesting that it was international women's day when it came out and there were just bare women within the media who were victim blaming. I was like, do you not see this? It's again, chess moves. Absolute yeah. chess moves. It, it, was, it was crazy to me. And like with that type of stuff, calling it out as a man, like it's, it, it's weird. And it's like, you know, you can't really call, you don't really want to get into that debate because your intentions can be misinterpreted sometimes. Yeah. But like when I saw it, I was talking to one of my friends about it. I was like, yo, like how do you, like they posted something that was supposed to make joke of it and i was like yo how do you not see that this is kind of victim blaming and they were like oh shit yeah yeah it is actually and it, it, the penny drops it's like yeah. because everyone's so detached and again we have those i guess certain people have those internal dialogues which allow them to de-escalate the behavior rather than empathize like i think it's just a bit of that it's crazy now that's that's a good point like seeing people who do the the minimization one thing again this has taught me is that it's a it's an innate cultural thing how people respond to pressure trauma enlightenment like it's an it, for me it feels at the moment the way the world is an innate cultural thing like black culture became a thing especially the internet let's twitter for me twitter has a whole world, this ecosystem, was created around taking the power of the comedy. So taking, like, the, we won't let anyone ever make jokes about us. That's not how we roll. And people's entire lives and careers will be torn down at the sight of a joke. We no smoke on that. But we have a way in which we can respectfully joke on really difficult situations which I feel like people outside of it don't get, for one, so they get really angry and pissy. So we've seen people in the media become a target of, of that, become like, everyone's just gonna, instead of completely berating Piers Morgan the way they have, for years about how his behavior is just disturbing because everyone around him in his circle have just been eating off it. Susanna Reid was sat there nodding along with him two days ago and now she's shaking her head. Like, people have been eating off it. So <laughs> the culture took the power of that and turned his entire life into a joke. Like, I saw so many... It's why I went on that, like, Instagram flurry of referring to early 2000s music videos. Because I saw, like, the power is to not feed his fire. Like, the power... What mm -hmm. he was doing is eating off, like, the culture... And, like, the, the media culture and people who think of that space they just eat off the fire they like seeing people like people of color black people they like seeing the discomfort we get put in and the, the height and stress that we get put in because they go oh we can just pass this off we can just put this little skip card on top of that or we could just be like ah it's worse elsewhere or we could use these passing phrases we've learned for generations 
But when the black culture has taken the power and turned Piers Morgan into a meme, into a joke, they, yeah, they've made his life into a meme, which sounds like, a minim, like I've minimized it all, but it takes all the power out of, so whatever he says, it's like, bro, he's still just a weak, disturbed man who probably needs yeah. help before he needs, like we'll vilify <laughs> him because he's not getting the help he needs. If in two weeks time, a picture of Piers Morgan comes out looking like when Ian Beale was homeless on EastEnders with big beard <laughs> asleep outside the tree. If that picture comes out as like a pity party, the world will go, did he get help? No. Continue to give him crud. But <laughs> that's yeah. how passing the culture is. The culture is like, but did you get help? Because we've had to get help for the decades and generations and centuries of trauma that we had. We had to get that from ourselves. Exactly. I think that there's so much that you touched upon there, like particularly the Susanna Reid thing. Again, I feel like that's another example of the de-escalation. Like nobody's being like, well, in the age of kind of like talking about allyship and the difference between allyship and performative allyship, there's lots of conversations that have taken place about the importance of using your voice and conversating with difficult friends around like respect for others or like issues of consent and things like that. And I'm like, yo, where was Susanna Reid in all of this? Like, Susanna, I know like in a state- Yeah, sorry, I was just gonna say, a couple of weeks ago, Piers Morgan was like, if blah, 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 explodes, blah, 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 I'm gonna walk. And then she went, if you walk, I'll walk. And I was like, as soon as I saw that clip, I was like, the performance. <laughs> exactly, and like, she's not, uh, even in like the statement she's been making on socials and stuff, she's like said about how uncomfortable she was with peers and it's like you are the co-host you have the power to say the to call him out like yeah. that why did it take your weatherman bro like alex <laughs> shout out alex Ber- beresford yeah. but why did it take your weatherman to call out peers like that should have been Susanna reed yeah. like she was on there for years she had she has the relationship with him where like we have those brethrens in it where in life if you mess up and your brethren talk to you like, damn. Yeah. Susanna Reid and Piers, I imagine, would have that relationship where well, she they, spoke to him. He would so we have to accept that. That's the way they behaved when they were sat next to each other every morning. So we have to take that on face value. <laughs> exactly. So my question isn't why Piers Morgan was Piers Morgan. My yeah. question is why Susanna Reid wasn't the ally that she claims to be yeah. in that space. Good and question. I think that that's like the difficulty. I think that, you know, she's obviously going to get a pass and she'll, she'll continue doing what she's doing. But I think like, that's a deep question. Like I, if I was Alex working there, that'd mm-hmm. be a question I'd ask. I'd be like, yo, how have you worked with this guy for years and never called him out publicly? Yeah. You know? but, I, but I've done it. Like it, it just, just seems a bit odd to me. That's no, that's a big fact. It's a big one because allyship is, it's a performance only entitled to the few. Like, it's a performance Definitely. only a few demographics can go out there and perform in the most in the most believable ways. And then we have to like sometimes we have to be like, this this is chess. Let's just wait for the moment they're gonna fuck up in a way that we can reveal because we know it's not genuine. Like some people are like, we know it's not we can see it's not genuine, but us calling that just feels like the same fight to everyone else so we're just gonna have to wait just wait for them to fuck up and definitely and catch them that's it <laughs> that's like what we were saying this week i was talking to one of my friends i was like yo like because since the black lives matter movement and like the whole black square and the protests in manchester and stuff 
enough companies, enough influencers, and all these different people have posted squares. And I'm like, yo, that's cool and everything. But now I'm at people. So like when I see people who've done that, I'm like, yo, and they're bigging me up or whatever. I'm like, yo, what have you done to create change? And it's like, yeah. what? And it's like, what have you done? I saw that you posted that square in June. Mm-hmm. Tell me, how have you reflected on the structure of your organization? How have you looked, how have you reflected on the demographics you're trying to put resources into to reach out to youth? How have you rethought about the way in which you're conveying certain messages or stereotyping different people? Like, and I think that the media is one that didn't do it. Like in the age of the protest, many outlets covered it and were talking about how good it was. But not like in this, another example here, another hurdle of where it could have been a national moment of understanding and connectivity. It's actually been brought down by people, again, doing performative allyship, whether it's saying that they get it, but then Megan's going about it in the wrong way. Like it's, oh, it's just so mad. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, how is she going against the royal family? The royal family is like so important to our country. And it's like the royal family is literally maintained by the suffering and the death and the trauma of thousands if not millions of people from different countries who were under the British colony whether it's the Caribbeans whether it's Africa whether it's New Zealand Australia America wherever we went we touched it the only difference is is that Britain was slick and set up its way for its kind of almost slick form of racism and the fact that we committed all of these atrocities but we never brought it to our doorstep yeah. so it gave us that plausible deniability and now today we've still got that plausible deniability because it's ingrained within the fabric of what we do as a country yeah it's it's the the british way of being to stuff it down just just deal with it and keep going um but yeah like the the calling people to to rights and like making people accountable. Last, I'm not gonna lie. Last June felt it felt taxing. Last June was like, yo, this is an exercise I've never done before in it, and a lot of it hurts. A lot of it was because the world at that time was led by trauma. Like everything was trauma led. It was you couldn't open Twitter, Instagram, BBC News. You couldn't open any platform without seeing black trauma, seeing minority death, seeing it being presented to you as some type of like spectator porn. Um, So like last year, it felt hard. This year, it feels like, yo, I've been exercising. I can lift this weight now. So that's like, that's what it feels like for us. So a younger generation are being very slick with it. Like the complaints to, to ITV, like, if this happened two years ago, the complaints wouldn't have peaked like that because ITV and all of these platforms know that because they position themselves and point towards the, a past generation, young generation will might take their vitriol and their anger to Twitter, to the public platforms, to like the public speak houses on the internet. But they don't give any value to that. They don't give credit to that because they go, if we only value the old people who sit at home, still pay their TV license, all of that stuff. And then the only way that they can feedback is the very classic ways of you go to bbc.co, you go to ITV, you go to the TV ombudsman folk and you fill out this form. 
all like the young generation go, I don't give a fuck about a form if someone has been vile and racist on the in like the fuck I give about a form. But yeah. this time our young generation went, you know what we're gonna do? Let's fuck them at their own game and filled forty thousand complaints. So like, you're gonna have to listen now. <laughs> and I, I thought this previous like over the last couple of months, like we're just gonna have to play these chess games with them. Like if they want us to fill out these dead forms on their website to let them know that they're stupid, let's do it. That's literally what it is. And it's sad to me that they don't take those real forms of feedback. Like even still with those 40,000 complaints, it was only because I was watching um, a discussion about it on Sky News. And it's only because there was a media, um, a lawyer or someone that worked within the media who was talking about how the complaints procedures work. And it's only because they had, I can't remember the word he used, but essentially the victim of the discrimination. It was because obviously Duchess Meghan Markle went and, um, registered her own complaint at the, yeah. the misleading comments that Piers was making and how it could negatively impact people's rights to disclose, negatively impact people's ability to disclose their mental health struggles. Yeah. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. So even with that, when the guy was talking about it in the news, he was giving me the impression that even with the 40,000 complaints, ITV still could have kept Piers and yeah. still probably would have tried to brush it under the carpet again exactly. in yeah. true British fashion. It was only because Megan directly complained. It was like, okay, we have yeah. to do something. Yeah. And it makes me laugh because Piers announced that he was leaving. ITV never confirmed that they were sacking him. Yeah. It was just like they agreed to part ways. And it's like, if that was like any other person. ITV so would many be, other people. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> many like children TV presenters who've like said something a bit spooky or done drugs or done something and every of these different channels whether it's BBC whether it's ITV have been like no nah, we're not working with that person anymore so yep. why is Piers so different why are you so afraid to tell us that you fired him again that lets me know what your intention is as yep. a network and how much you value it and even when you just pre how the network moves as a whole like when you look at like the soaps and stuff that they have and the type of messages like, I don't really watch soaps and that, but my pops does. And like, when I go around to see him, he has it on. And I was like, yo, we had Coronation Street on the other day. And I was like, yo, why is the only black family on there got all of this trauma and all of these yeah, difficult issues was, going on? Oh, where was I? I was, I was visiting someone and I wasn't watching. I just left, you know, just leave the TV to roll on. Like I watched something earlier and the TV was on while I was working and Coronation Street was on the TV. And someone walked into the room and went, yo, why are all these black people beefing on Coronation Street? And they were like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I remember reading those, like, Coronation Street has the first black family. And he's like, yo, all they're doing is just shouting and, like, just stereotyping. And I was like, oh, exactly. wow. I didn't, like, my brain just phased it out. But as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, that. So, yeah, that message makes so much sense. It just lets you know about these networks. And another thing that I found interesting it's how the conversation around Megan is dying down now. It's been replaced by other issues that are going on within the news, understandably. Yeah. But in America, it's still trending and it's still the one thing that's talked about. And it's almost as if now the media are trying to almost pull, move pull it the news. from pull discussion. The news is, is what's happened, yeah. Definitely pull the next news. So, so much is going out. What's in, So when, like, as soon as the interview went out, I... I'm like part of a private Facebook group, like a global private Facebook group of black people posting comedy. If I haven't invited you to this group, I'm going to do it as soon as this call finished because it's just, it's, yeah, please it's, do. it's the most beautiful safe space I've ever seen on Facebook. <laughs> um, 
But in that group, I posted a meme and immediately an American commented back saying, yo, what's happening? Can someone explain this to me? Because one thing about the group as well is just like, yo, everyone be respectful. That's it. That's the one rule. And millions of people around the world are just collectively, millions of black people around the world, just collectively respectful. (laughs) Um, That's it. So yeah, I posted this meme and someone went, yo, someone explain this to me. And then someone else from America commented and went, yo, the royal family are beefing because of a brown woman. And I, <laughs> in tears. <laughs> and then someone else, and then just kept adding to it, but in the most American ways to describe it, is like, yo, <laughs> um, Megan brought mess to the table. Or Megan brought their mess to the table. Like, they just kept adding it in the most American ways to describe it and like, belittle the royal family and amplify that she is airing out mess that they have created. Um, and it was just so beautiful to watch, to be like, yo, this, this royal family love is really only English. <laughs> it really is. And like, when you look at like, some of the problematic things, like the statement, did you see the statement that they the made statement about mad. recollections the may vary? <laughs> it's just like, because my, initially my, my, gut feeling was that they were going to respond to the mental health stuff and not the racism because it'd be an easy chess move because they know that mental health is a hot topic particularly with being something that has been exacerbated by the current restrictions in place in england so i was like if they respond to that everyone's going to be like oh the royal family really care about mental health and then you know let's just forget about the racism and the fact that we nearly killed this poor brown woman um but it's like they didn't really address anything. They were just like, recollections may vary. We're going to have an investigation into it. It was almost like when you're at school and you have one of those kids who say something racist and you box them up and then the teacher's like, oh yeah, we're going to look into it and nothing ever happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally the feeling I got when I read the statement. Move two people a couple of seats away from each other. (laughs) Keep it pushing. Yeah. I saw that statement and I was like, okay. They felt they had to do something, but they went, what's the least we could say? Four sentences is the least we could say on absolute madness that was said. And then at the same time, Prince Charles is dancing around some minority hospitals surrounded by black bodyguards. (laughs) And I was watching it like, oh my gosh. It's a few years ago, some some older generation might have been swayed with that one. They might actually not, not even Prince Charles, because Older generations always have crud for Prince Charles because of Princess Diana. But, like, to see it, I was like, oh, like, it just looks cheap. Like, it just looks cheap now. Um, it does. Even with, like, Meghan and, not Meghan, uh, with, um, is it Kate and William, when they yeah. went to that school, they were going around to schools in London today, and, like, every kid that, ha- that um, Will was interacting with or Mega was interacting just happened to be like a kid of colour and it's yeah. like we can see this like <laughs> yeah. how are you so out of touch like you've got this firm and all of these consultants that are trying to yeah. work on your image fire them bro like fire them because <laughs> they just don't just get it people yeah there's better people for them jobs there's you've been accused of racism man. yeah <laughs> just, it, just it, dance it, with little black children is not is not the solution <laughs> And it's don't so, ask questions as well. It's so whack to me because it's like, and even for them, like, if you've been in that, if you've felt to be in that space, like, you'd be su- you'd be hyper vigilant. I'd be like, <laughs> perhaps the best, the pub- next public outing for me probably isn't best for me to go and be around lots of people of color because it could look like it's being performative. Yeah. You know, perhaps I just need to 
you know, what was the word they used for Megan? You know, stay out of the limelight a little bit and let for this to <laughs> yeah. blow over or whatever. Perhaps they needed to take their own advice that what they gave to Megan. That's so true. Yeah. I'm, it I'm was just free. wild. I, again, it's one that I like that it's been one of those moments where, like, the unstoppable object has hit an immovable, or what was once an immovable wall. Um, and, yeah, the royal, like, the idea that, the fact that the idea of the royal family needed this to shake it, bear in mind, again, genocide, spice wars, everything else that they've done, the pre-existing Commonwealth, everything else, that like, it just needed someone to grab some shoulders and just shake them. Like, respectfully, it's full of shit in here. That's exactly what someone, someone it took someone to do. Um, yeah, so I'm interested in, again, the, we're going to see the classic. We've seen the, the rollover effect of like, there's, there's more pressing news happening, according to the media. Um, again, something really interesting that I saw online is like, keep an eye on how the media perform over the next two weeks. They are, and obviously statistics always come with it. It's like there's, they are, I think something like 20% more likely to show you an arrest mugshot of someone who is a minority. So it's I like, saw that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, for goodness sake, that makes so much sense now. Because like months ago, when Mark Duggan was shot, you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't go anywhere without seeing his face before they even told us what had happened. Like you couldn't go anywhere without seeing that man's face with that cropped picture as well that they had. That we all know. Um, so for me, I was like, oh, we're, I'm seeing it. Like it's horrible, but we're seeing the skew happen, which is why I'm so happy that the conversation has just been like the power has been stripped from the media and put into social media. That like I'm seeing so much more from my peers around me. And now I'm just like, Today, I had a thought like, yo, how many of my people are in journalism or work in the media? It might be Not worth many. having conversations with these people. And yeah, that's when I realized, like, yo, I know people in all sorts of different walks of life. Name a, someone who is in, like, journalism. And I, like, I really struggled. I couldn't, I don't know anyone closely in my close circles who, yeah, does anything outside in of, ironically, sport. Enjoy. In my six years of artistry, including the TV work, radio work, and stuff that has been in the press, I've been interviewed by one black person. That's nuts. One. That's actually nuts. <laughs> like, literally one person. I can think of them right now. Like, yeah. one person. <laughs> like, because, as we know, like, yeah, there's independent blogs and stuff like that. Like, yeah. not saying... G we're not saying like your genre specific like your grms or your sptvs we're talking yeah. about like legacy platforms in it like yep. one that's, so there yeah, it is <laughs> again we, we play the moves that that exist for the time being um and going back to what you were saying about the mugshot thing bro like i find it interesting because there's been obviously a murder of a young woman in london called sarah everett and I'm just Googling it now because I didn't want to say any misinformation. Yeah. But it's alleged that the person who murdered this young woman was actually an officer. Yeah, he was a Has serving, his... serving police officer from Met, one of the Met Police Departments. Um, uh, yeah. Where's so the mugshot? They're very aware. 
multiple pictures. They know who this person is. He was arrested as a person of interest. In that time of his arrest, they narrowed down on search locations, found potential remains, changed the investigation from missing persons to a murder case. I don't know whether he's been officially rearrested for the murder. He has, and he's been, he got, he's been like punched up or sitting in hospital because he's on his way, in jail because he's on his way to hospital with head injuries allegedly now. Okay. So yeah, all of this exists and we don't, do we even know a name yet? Don't know a name. We don't know the, what this person looks like either. So that's literally the perfect example of what you're saying about the mugshots. This is the protection. We saw this in New Zealand when that guy killed the British backpacker. I forgot her name. Jesus, I remember this case. When literally Reddit tore down the New Zealand justice system. Reddit was like, we're going to step in. Yeah, here we go. Uh, British backpacker, New Zealand. Is it Jess Kempson? That's the one. Yeah, like that story was horrible. But the fact that like it was like blatantly revealed how like the the system protected the murderer to the point where like media outlets were being threatened with lawsuits if they revealed his name, a photograph, and his identity, and he was a convicted yeah. murderer. And then finally, after the internet was like, nah, we're going we're gonna to turn this down because you can't arrest the internet. They had to change it. And after her parents being involved on like, this, needs, this can't be a thing. Like as much as we need to remember the victim and celebrate her life, you can't protect a murderer like that. Exactly. Like why did they have to go to court to be able to name this murderer? I guess like, with think with someone's arrested on suspicion of something, then I can get the apprehension if you've not yeah. if you've not established all of the facts that ties that person to that crime. But like very clear, I'm not saying that. But when you know it's somebody, like, but then actually, nah, burn that because yeah, it's happened there are times where yeah, where people, people have been arrested. Have been this person has been arrested for this crime, and when it's not them, that story hasn't. We haven't had a conclusion of that. We might yeah, see no them on a panorama interview five years later, but that story never concluded. We never hear the outcome of that thing. It was, have you seen this person? A picture of them from the underground tube station. Have you seen that? If it's not them, the story disappears. But it, that person has been vilified on, on TV forever. It's almost like this multifaceted layer of privilege that exists and that is tied into the British experience, which ties into the Sharon Osbourne thing you were saying. Like, yeah. I saw that before, and I just found it so triggering. And it's like, this thing that happens, <clears throat> again, um, when dealing with, like, white women sometimes in issues of race, there can be triggering around that. Like, I guess with trigger, when you're discussing race with a white male, a lot of times it's just shut down and they don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But with what's going, what was going on in that interview, you could see the, I can't remember the presenter's name, but she was trying to explain. And Sharon, like even the words that she was saying, she was like, you know, I should be crying right now. It's like, why? You're not really affected by this. Yeah. Like what, who's, who's giving you the right to cry right now? And it was also like, I don't know, it's almost the weaponizing of her emotion because uh... she wasn't getting the emotional support 
or empathy that she's used to in that situation, which is a form of privilege. It's like, okay, oh, you, yeah. as soon as you start shouting, you're expecting this presenter to drop what she's trying to say and to just be like, oh, you know, they're there, let's deal with it. And the fact that she wasn't and she was continuing this got her back up. And I was like, yo, there's loads of thread on Black Twitter, like with people talking about it, like great voices like Kolechnikov and um, yeah. uh, who's the other one? There's another a presenter that I really like that writes, I'll have to find it on Twitter, but they were talking about it, like literally the weaponization of tears. And in this thread, I was reading like the words of many black women who were saying, you know, this is what happens when we try and call out um, white women about issues of race. This is what happens. It's because um, there was one tweet that was shared that's something about like the emotional value of, of their emotions. So it's like, yeah. because that person gets upset and because like, black men and white men are conditioned to not really like seeing that level of upset. Everything's just shut down to prevent that white woman from being upset. And it's like, actually, no, like, you know, you may not like your, 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 posi your, your position, like, I have to be careful with what I say, but it's like, you know, as Dave Chappelle said it, you're in on the heist, you just didn't like your cut. And a part of that is that you have to deal with the issues that come up in your area of society when it comes around race. Yeah, no, that's, it's very true. Again, when I saw, I saw the Sharon Osbourne thing and then the fact that Kelly Osbourne also continued the same nonsense. And I was like, oh, okay, that's exactly, yeah. My brain is like this, it's a bubble of protected, like centering, they both managed to attempt to center themselves on an issue that had no business being for them to be centered in. They are at best able to comment on, and even then don't expect gold coins for the comments. Um, but yeah, to hear the absolute nonsense there, again, for me, it's like, cool, we're at a stage where we don't have to even like acknowledge it, ask stupid questions, get stupid answers is how I was raised. Yeah. So we're at a stage now where we can deliver that in a message that isn't, I don't like, you can't paint me as aggressive. You can't like all of those things don't factor anymore. The world has skipped beyond that. Um, as much as they may try, as much as tears might, <laughs> might be a, a response. So I was like, I'm kind of waiting for that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting how, how the world returns once the rest of the world kind of bounces towards some form of normality. Um, when people who've been stewing in their house, watching all of these things and forming opinions in vacuums, because some people do form their opinions in vacuums, <laughs> go online and it's the echo chamber. And then you go outside and you have to meet someone who, like in the, in the best way I can phrase it is, who has been charged, like positively charged. Like this is the longest, the longest as a minority, we've been able to like completely recharge internally and externally. Like I'm seeing, I'm seeing all of my friends start locking their hair because they haven't had to, they, they've had enough time to mentally break down the, what is presentable hair thing and actually just yeah. make a decision and just go, actually, this is what I want to do. The world will have to accept. This is what I am for the rest of the world. Um, so I'm like, I've started to see that. I start to see people, just take time to dive into who they are. Um, like small insights, like 
me and my cousin, we chat almost every day. And just little things that, that the slowdown in the world has allowed us to appreciate again. I've started learning how to cook some traditional Zambian food that I just, I grew up eating. Cool. Once it's out of the house, it's like you kind of left to the world's devices. But it's like, bro, the power that I get is more than just sitting and throwing some ingredients together. It's the power of home food. Um, but the power that I get from that means when I go outside and I have to deal with crud, I'm charged up. Like I've, I've been charged. I've eaten the good food. I've, I've let my hair grow and I've explained to people on work meetings I've, why I, I, sometimes I have a do-rag in the morning, sometimes I don't. Like if, if you need my explanation, I'll explain it because it's here. Like I've, ex- I've, I've charged up in those ways. So when the world gets back to normal, there's going to be a whole society of brown people who have collectively gone through trauma, collectively healed, collectively educated, and collectively gained strength in their own identity, whatever their identity is. Like whatever people have taken up those hobbies that they went, maybe this part of my culture isn't going to understand, or maybe this part of my friend circle isn't going to understand. Like people have done those things. They've broken down egos. We're going to see the people who did nothing for a year <laughs> get spat out the other end. Like Avengers <laughs> when everyone returns from the snap and some people have aged and some people haven't. Like, we're going to see that. But for me, it's going to be very enlightening where the people who thought they could get away with crud are just not going to have that. No restaurant is going to make me pay up front when I sit down ever again. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that, that I, type where like, oh, I just have to conform to this. Like it feels uncomfortable, but we conform because we don't feel safe. Like I feel safer in myself now to be able to go, yo, respectfully, even to my best friends, respectfully, I'm going to call out some bullshit. Yeah. I think that's really key what you've said. Like, everyone's more empowered now. Like I saw a phrase, there was some t-shirts that were going around on social media I saw, and the phrase was spiritually on crud, and it really spoke to me. <laughs> I was like, I feel like that's how, that's what you're describing there, spiritually just yeah. on crud. Like after having time in lockdown and obviously doing the work, whether it's reading and understanding more about yourself, the experience, connecting others, like obviously we communicate regularly about this stuff, chat, chat, chatting to other friends, and, doing whatever your art form is I feel like you say everyone's just more mentally prepared and I think that Britain has to catch up like you know many people like myself you um other people that we know like Dane who shot the Sirens video like we've been into other places where we work or where we've been partners with and we've spoken to the owners of them and been like yo this is what it is and this is how you need to fix up and that energy isn't going to die and I think that the companies and the people that don't evolve will become extinct because, yeah. you know, we're just not having this anymore. And I think that it's very important that as a people, we maintain the kind of just calling it out because I think that those days of like, perhaps like when you speak to your grandparents, like my grandparents came over here in like the sixties mm. and there was a lot of shit that they just had to take, you know, cause they were trying to do stuff. And like for now, those days are done in it. So it's like, for me, like no job is too good for me to bite my tongue and have to put up with shit. No opportunity is too good for me where I have to let stuff slide. It's like, no, yeah. like call it when you see it and, you know, walk into every room as yourself. And I think that's what the pandemic has allowed a lot of black people to feel. That's, that's so true. On, on that, 
Have you seen what's been going on with Jay Z the last few months? Yeah, with his sister locks, and he's got the whole. He's gone full Basquiat, hasn't he? Yeah, he's gone full Basquiat. He's like the champagne, the champagne sale, and the title sale. Yeah. For goodness' sake, if the culture needed any more <laughs> of 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 an idol to follow, if monetary gains is the goal, <laughs> he is doing the maddest chess moves we have ever seen. Like so, open. it's funny as well because everything, every one of those businesses that he sold were things that people laughed at. He did title, everyone laughed at it. It was like, how are you going to beat Spotify and Apple Music? Yeah. He did his, uh, his, how do you say, Armagnac de Bergion or whatever yeah. it is, like the the um, the cognac that he's done, yeah. which he sold. Again, people were like, you know, no, how are you going to rival like Louis Trey and Hennessy and these other yeah. ones that people drink? Again, chess move, it's yeah. champagne. Again, because Cristal said some stuff that he didn't like, he created his own thing. Again, chess moves, like, Every idea that Jay-Z has had and the media have laughed at, he's won. So it's almost like, when did he learn to just... If someone's a genius and they've showed you two or three times, you just got to trust in their genius now. And I feel like yeah. with Jay, we within the culture have seen that and we're like, whatever this man does, like we may not get it, we may not understand it, but we'll watch the growth. And I feel yeah. like now, the, particularly with the title sale and the figures involved, the business world are like, oh shit, this guy's like, like I saw for the first time, Jay-Z referred to as a tech entrepreneur. Oh, wow. I, I saw a him. tech entrepreneur. I heard him referred to, I was reading a Bloomberg article. I heard him referred to as, what was it? Um, like a high value private investor. And I was like, yo, they just put, they didn't even just like government him. Sometimes they go high value investor, Sean Carter. Mm-hmm. And they just try and yeah. slide it low in the references. Now, sentence, high-value investor Jay-Z. And I was like, this is big. When I'm reading a financial magazine that are very good at removing any types of culture like that. Um, but even that shows, like, the marriage of himself that like he talked about. Like, before, before when he'd do business, he'd be Sean. And then in yeah. the culture, he'd be Jay. And, like, now it's like, fuck that. It's, I'm just Jay. I'm just yeah. Jay-Z. Whether I'm um, Jay Z selling your title, whether I'm Jay Z, like whatever, like he's just him. And I think, like you say, he's the proper affirmation. Like I'm pretty sure you've seen the little inspirational videos that float around of celebrities on Insta. And there is one where he talks about walking in the room as himself. And it's like yeah. you can see that in the last almost like two, three years, he's had that realization. Like yeah. he stopped, like you say, trimming his hair. He's got his full-grown Basquiat locks because Basquiat's a big source of inspiration. Yeah. And, like, he's just free. Even in the stuff he's rapping about, like, I don't think I've heard Jay-Z reference selling drugs. Well, no, he does reference selling drugs, but in a creative, like, it, I don't, I've not heard Jay-Z do his old-school Jay-Z stuff in terms yeah. of where he's like, yo, I used to sell yay, or I used to yeah. have so many girls or whatever. Every verse he's given now is game. And you can see he's just changed. For me, it was like, again, because of what I do on a daily, like working in banks and in finance and just having a natural interest in that stuff. I was like, let me just, let me just listen to what the people outside of the culture say about the tidal deal and the champagne deal. So I listened to a couple of podcasts that, and just like a couple of 10, 15 minute interviews Online and one of them, it was Jay Z, the owner of the Champagne House that bought 
um, the 50% stake, it was those two on like some Zoom call with an, an interviewer. And for one, Jay-Z was sat there in a Amer- an American football jersey and his hair out and he was just <laughs> chilling. This guy was obviously in the, in the way that you'd expect someone who works in fine alcohol to be presented. <laughs> sharp suits, looks like he lives in a yacht. Um, and I was like, first of all, that's chess. Because there was an era in hip-hop where the braggadocious of I'm a businessman was they would go from wearing the Tims and oversized clothing to the suit to with sunglasses. Suit. Like, that, <laughs> that switch. We, if you watch any <laughs> late 90s video, they played on that switch so much. They're like, I'm a businessman. I'm a businessman. Let me handle my <laughs> business. Damn. They played that little juxtaposition so much. And then now to be like, nah, if you your whole self, you can still be a fucking billionaire in these streets. Um, yeah. And then I was looking at, like, the, the title deal. Everyone was like, the first comments I saw were from the fake woke, which was like, oh, Tidal's no longer black owned. What does that matter now? And I was like, Ugh. you don't, some people just don't deserve, yeah, they just don't deserve the space to, to speak nonsense. Um, and then I was like, let me actually look into this because that's, that's a nuts deal. And then to see that all these pictures and videos we've been seeing over the last years of Jay-Z spending time with Jack Dorsey from Twitter. And Jack Dorsey is probably one of the front runners on any <laughs> internet-based like company. He owns, oh, he's a co-founder of Square, the company that bought the majority stake in Tidal. And it's like, oh, they're, they're not just sat on a yacht for the pictures. They've been making deals that are years ahead of ahead of time and a part of that deal is jay-z as well as getting hundreds of millions he is on the board of directors for square the payment company it's like boom that is someone in a position of insane power he's on he's on the board of directors of a company that manages global payment systems and people are like what the hell does that mean it's like that means he can make real money decisions real money And as part of that title deal, all of those celebrities everyone was laughing at when they were all stood on stage with Jay-Z, like, I believe in title, Lil Wayne, Nicky, all of them got a 10 yeah. mil check. That's my And it's like, it, this is the chess move that we're playing. Lil Wayne was like, fuck it, let whoever want have a percentage share of my masters. Because he's probably had conversations that we will never see with the likes of Jay-Z that like, yo, this the idea of black owned is beautiful, but it's not the end. Yeah, yeah. Black owned is different to control. Like, look at BT. Yeah. They told us BT is black entertainment television, but there's yeah. some old man on like his seventh heart who's definitely yeah. not black. <laughs> <He's> not black. <laughs> it's so true. I think that the black owned thing, in terms of media representation, like you say, isn't the angle. I feel like until we have in until we have places, people in positions of power, like an Oprah who owns their own network, yeah. it's like we're always going to need outside influence. I also think it's interesting to think about Tyler Perry, all of those people who have been laughed at so much, yeah, proving their worth, <laughs> making their chess moves, like yeah. Tyler Perry offer it being a, a constant source of refuge for Black women in distress. Whether yeah. it's like obviously. Um, Meghan Markle, but there was other people as well that he's helped out. 
and yeah. also having so many films shot on his movie studio like bad yeah. boys three coming to america two like that studio, i think like i'm w- watching the internet tours of that studio have been fascinating like, it's mental in it yeah but it's yeah. mad to me as well like we don't have that here like and that's i think i think the culture here will shift to understanding the value of that once we have someone who reaches those heights in terms of like the jay-z I think yeah. that whilst we have characters who have those who have those potentials to do that, like yeah. for me, Kano is one, someone who has the potential to do that. Wretch is someone who's making moves, like he's obviously the lead A and R at O two O seven, which is the Def Jam UK new venture, yeah. which launched obviously by acquiring Storms' back catalogue. Yeah. Um so they're already eating. Um <laughs> I think that once we have somebody like someone like that who's making those moves, that's when we can start obviously seeing the change in the arts and the way we do because in terms of our ownership of the arts here it's very very minute yeah no it's it's the truth that it's what it's frustrating because when you can see what the path is when you can see the road ahead not even the entire journey but just the road ahead and then we go okay where 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 is our journey along this line it's like for me one of the sparks was jamal edwards sbtv but then again, yeah. so many things ha- felt like they happened that changed the, the direction of that path. So it's like there's, there's moments where it's like, oh, we, we can get there. It's, it, but then again, with the likes of Kano, Wretch, Gets, we go, okay, our path might look different. Like it might be presented in a slightly different way. But again, if you look at those, those three names 10 years ago with three very different artists um and like what they presented to the world 10 years ago was very different chip right so i guess exactly yeah it's going to be very interesting to watch unravel especially once the world opens back and yeah we see whatever version people present of themselves in in this now future (laughs) definitely i'm hoping one thing that comes out of it is what all open conversations but conversations that lead to real change not just the sharing of instagram posts yeah i also hope that the ownership of the arts thing that's something that i've literally been thinking about like when you're liaising with like pr companies labels publishers all of this stuff while there are black creators and creatives who are working for these people there are very limited black owners and it's like yeah i want to see more representation and more kind of I know ownership because when you own the arts, you own the culture, and yeah. then you can determine where the culture goes. And, and that's why the power, um, and more than just symbolic, like there's a there's a practical practicality to them. Like literally, all of the issues that we see that go on in American hip hop culture tend to be remedied by Jay Z. Lil Wayne had his back tax issues. Jay-Z did it. 21 Savage nearly got deported. Jay-Z paid for the finest yeah. lawyer to come and sort it out. Like literally, yeah. <laughs> like being able to keep the chess game going and being like, okay, these people are people who are staples within the culture. Yeah. Let's ensure that this culture has the longevity to it. And it's like out here, if anyone, like not that it's anyone's responsibility, but who, who is that for, for, our, for our kind of thing yeah. over here? That's and I think it's, it's the fear that for one, the fear that like we have to ask that question. Um, for me, like an enlightening moment was 
when the whole Kano being accused of, was it accused of a, assault in the nightclub? Like when that unraveled and then they found out that yeah. they were just lying. These two little rich kids from London were just lying on Kano, saying that he got aggressive yeah. and assaulted him in a nightclub. Um, and he had to do the whole go to court. They were practically guilty until innocent. And for me, like that turnaround and like watching, reading about that unraveling was like one of those like, oh, the classic tie him up in some type of criminal situation to create a new ceiling that he will have to get through, but most likely won't be won't have the powers to. And then for Kano to be at the stage that he's at now. Um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. We're going to have some, I think we've got some very strong voices, just as long as they're, they're directed and heard in the best ways. Definitely. I think another person that's on the table for someone who's going to be a leader of the culture is Giggs. Like, I think Giggs, yeah. in terms of a purveyor of rap, he's a barsman and he's got a good eye on what's going on. And he's making power moves behind the scenes. Like he's got his own label, No BS Entertainment. Yeah. That, uh, making power moves in terms of working with artists um, outside of London. There's a few Manchester artists that he's working with now. There's also um, just the deals that he's doing and how he sows value into different people. Like, I think that he's going to be someone who is a staple of the culture here too, definitely. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun... Uh, not fun, let me not say fun, because that just assumes a lot. It's going to be an interesting, <laughs> yeah, it'll be an interesting few, a, a few months, years to go. Yeah, definitely. I wonder what, part of me as well wonders what things will look like in terms of, like, once we come out of this, yeah. like, socially, like, at work, the types of conversations that we all have, like, at the coffee machines about all of this stuff, like, or, uh, like, when you're like, I don't know, just at work, what types of conversations will take place? Because obviously for us, um, as people of color, this has been like a moment of learning, a moment of reflection. And we've realized all of this stuff, whether it's the importance of embracing our identity, having owners of our culture or whatever. And I'm like, I wonder if non-white non, uh, people have realized similar things are reflected on that. And if so, I wonder what those conversations in work will be. I wonder what, um, how woke people will be to that and whether it's been a moment of reflection for everybody and not just the few who are on social media. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Again, because I, I live my life speaking in analogies, one thing I'm definitely looking out for are the people who read every manual on how to fly a, fly a plane or drive a car but have never sat behind the wheel. So once we see people sat behind a wheel, sat in front of black and brown people or sat in those moments in which we've like seen in time, like time past where the easiest thing to do was be silent and implicitly like consent to the abuse going on. The people being like abuse, public transport is my like, basic example is like how many times as a culture have we seen black and brown people be abused in public transport and a sea of a sea of silent people who do nothing until it escalates and usually it's escalated because the black and brown person was not was not here to accept it 
And then all of a sudden it erupts to a point where people start shouting stop. No one was shouting stop before. Like those moments for me are like, you're now in the driving seat. What are you going to do? Definitely. I but, think yeah. that would be interesting to see. But yeah, that is... That was yeah. There's a lot. A lot has been covered there, but yeah, I think yeah, definitely, man. For us to to see what's what's next. I I hope that we just take this as a proper moment of learning, defo. Like, because the Meghan Markle thing, bro. Like, even if you just look like on Twitter, like there's still like I think it's gone down to fourth trending item on Twitter now. That's nuts because trending items changed in hours so the fact that it's still been up there for so long yeah like wait no there's a new trend now so oh no it's changed yeah yeah so what well, it's fourth the duchess of cambridge is trending and then uh cho chang is trending as well okay interesting because uh, she, she come out and, and said something about racism in harry potter yeah <laughs> Which is kind of expected if you've got a book where the the entire world is magic and you've got four black people or four non-white people throughout your entire book that talks about witches and wizards. But, yeah. Um, All right. Let me go feed this dog before she chews through a wall or something. No worries, bro. It was good to chop it up, man. <laughs> it was so, very good. Um, again, I appreciate the call. This is the first bit of content I've recorded since the mayhem of the beginning of this year. So it's it's nice to it's nice to be back and chatting about all the good stuff. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. No worries. I'm always happy to jump on. I appreciate it, bro. Like, um, it's good to see you doing more pods as well. What's going on with Team Twelve Notes? Are you guys on like a break or something? Yeah. So because it was proving difficult to present it how we wanted, like with all the distancing and all of that jazz. Um, and just like we told like Sloper when the rug company began, we're like, bro, run with it. Like <laughs> go, go as hard as you can with it because it's the sickest idea. And if it's bringing you bread, it brings you bread. Um, yeah. So he's like that, the rug riders company is doing sick. He's slowly getting back into DJing. So the aim is like, when the world reopens, we're probably going to reimagine it. But alongside of that, I'm also doing, like I've got a series of shows. So Same 12 Notes is kind of becoming a platform by which we present whatever we want to present. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Because it's kind of how it started. It's where the idea to record content and not just like create content for the internet but just like record capture content and just present it to the world cool man it sounds good i'm looking forward to seeing it appreciate it brother all right well i'll let you get on with it and keep it close and give us a shout yeah peace all right fam take it easy